This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. How did the Temple Mount in Jerusalem become the most hotly contested piece of real estate on the planet? Keith Johnson offers some insight from the Bible and from modern times to illustrate the truth of the Temple Mount and how you can visit the site with some people who truly know its significance. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom to our fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. It's no secret the Temple Mount is the most controversial place on the planet. But how did we get into this mess? More about that a little bit later with Keith Johnson. It's the final episode of The Bible Beyond Borders. But right now, it's time to take a look at the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you have it right there. We are now on the third Shabbat of the seventh month. And that means Sukkot ends at sunset tomorrow and Shemini Atzeret starts at sunset sunset Saturday, and then sunset Sunday. Now, please welcome my co-host, Ted Clayton. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate being here, and welcome, everybody, to Shabbat Night Live. All righty. Well, you know, we have uh, several things to talk about. It's a new month, and uh, first of all, we have a new teaching from Joel Richardson for this month's love gift. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, and if you haven't uh, seen the stuff Joel Richardson does here at Shabbat Night Live, this is going to be an incredible teaching. Scott, talk to us about it. It is. It, this is one of the ones you want to share with friends who uh, are believers but maybe just don't get what's happening in the world right now. It's a really important message uh, from, uh, from Joel about the pre-trib trap. So this is, you know, basically Joel puts it as, hey, look, if, if I believe in pre-tribulation rapture, I'm gonna get shocked in the end. Yeah. But if you believe what I believe, he says, you're not gonna get shocked in the end. And even if I'm wrong, we're, we're still okay, we're I guess. Still all because right. yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. So, it, but it's really uh, interesting what he goes through and says, look, this is not a biblical concept. It was invented 200 years ago. Yeshua didn't teach it, the apostles didn't teach it. That's Where right. the heck did we get this from? That's right. So that's one thing. So that is for a gift of $50 or more, which as we approach the end of the year, of course, is always very important. Uh, yes. We need to plan for next year. So getting the love gift is actually an easy way for you to support this ministry and get a really cool teaching uh, that's also, right, yes. that's right. And we really want to thank every single person that contributes and donates to A Root Awakening International. Ladies and gentlemen, we just thank you so much. We appreciate your sacrificial giving. We know in these difficult times it's tough, and we just want to say thank you once again. Indeed. Now, if you can do a little more, that's great. We'd like to give you a little more. Right. So we have here, this is a laser-etched uh, slate yes. of the name of God, Yehovah, from the Aleppo Codex. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is something that is just absolutely tremendous. It's, a, once again, it's a great uh, discussion starter uh, at your home uh, to talk about your faith. And this is just really great quality. We had uh, some friends of ours come and show us this at Passover. Yeah. 
And we just said, you know what? We got to have that as a love gift because this is special. And something else special too is a, a, this is not, you know, it's a replica. It's not an actual piece of the Isaiah scroll. But, right. <laughs> but the Isaiah scroll well, of was. Of course it is. Of course it is. What are we talking about? Yeah, no. It was the, the Isaiah scroll was the only one found in the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947 yes. that was complete. So there's like 24 feet of it, and this is one of the pieces of it, and you could uh, hang it up in your home and talk about it with your friends. That's right, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. So it's, it's now's the time, as they say, as it ever was. Get these love gifts. This is important stuff, ladies and gentlemen, and it also helps the ministry, so we greatly appreciate it once again. Now, speaking of the ministry, the guy who founded this ministry, Michael yeah, Rood, yes. is next because he has a special presentation. So, first of all, how did the Temple Mount in Jerusalem become the most hotly contested piece of real estate on the planet? Keith Johnson explains tonight, but first, here's Michael with a special five-minute lesson on the Temple Treasures. At the dedication of Solomon's temple, the staves were pushed out fully to the east end of the Ark of the Covenant so that the veil separating the Holy of Holies protruded into the holy place. As the scriptures say, the Ark could be seen out in the holy place, yet it could not be seen without. On Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, removes his royal garments stripping himself of any accoutrements of glory, position, or authority. He anoints the horns of the golden incense altar with the blood of the lamb and offers prayers and sacred incense before the ark and the mercy seat, incense that is forbidden for those outside the holy place to compound or possess. The high priest then takes a firepan filled with smoking incense into the Kodesh Kodeshim, the holiest place on earth, with the blood of the lamb, the chosen one of the twin baby goats. The smoke of the incense protects his eyes from being blinded by the cloud of glory residing above the mercy seat. He dips his right index finger into the blood of the lamb and sprinkles it seven times on the east end of the mercy seat, never on the west. Why? That is the greatest secret of Solomon's temple. The brazen laver stood directly in front of the holy place and was cast from the purified brass mirrors of the Israelite women, which had previously borne the image of Hathor, the Egyptian version of Easter, the Babylonian fertility goddess. The brazen laver, or brass sea, is the terrestrial representation of the celestial sea of fire and glass, a central focus in the book of the Revelation. Both the brass laver and the glass sea are a perfect reflection of oneself, with all the dirt, soot, blood, and blemishes that must be washed from both body and garments before one approaches the Holy of Holies, the throne room of God. Only those whose garments are without blemish, spot, or wrinkle will be called by name into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those not so honored by the king must remain outside on the sea of fire and glass until the seven-day marriage feast has concluded. Before one comes to either the brazen laver or the sea of fire and glass, 
one must make a peace or friendship offering on the altar of sacrifice. But peace offerings are only recognized after the sin offering is accepted. If a sacrifice costs you nothing, it is not a sacrifice. Everything of value has its price, in blood, sweat, time, or tears. The altar of sacrifice continually reminds us, year after year, feast after feast, that we broke the blood covenant at Mount Sinai, and the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and rams cannot satisfy the death penalty we owe. The only acceptable remedy is the death of the offending party, period. Unless one who is innocent of breaking the covenant, one who is without sin, volunteers to sacrifice himself, to die in the place of the guilty party. He who knew no sin volunteered to become sin for us that we might acquire the righteousness of God through Yeshua, our Savior, our Messiah. Yeshua renewed the covenant, the covenant that offered to make us priests and kings. By paying the death penalty and renewing the broken blood covenant, he can again make us priests and kings to our God. I'm here on the Bible Beyond Borders tour with my special assistant, Macon. Macon, are you enjoying your time? Tell the people what you think about what we've done so far. It is amazing. I think you should guys should come, and it's a very amazing place. And... What's been your favorite one? All of it. <laughs> He's my assistant. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You're welcome. <laughs> The pre-tribulation rapture was developed from mistaken ideas less than 200 years ago. Yeshua did not teach it. The apostles did not teach it. So where does this modern doctrine come from? People watching this right now, people alive, our brothers and sisters will face the great trial, the great test of our faith. And you have all of these preachers who are literally lying, saying, oh, don't worry. In this month's exclusive love gift teaching, Joel Richardson reminds both church-going Christians and Torah-observant believers that trusting in man instead of Yehovah's Word is a slippery slope, especially when it comes to lost books not found in our Bible. The Pre-Trib Trap with Joel Richardson is not available anywhere online, but we'll give it to you as our thanks for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in October, we'll send you The Pre-Trib Trap with Joel Richardson on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you The Pre-Trib Trap plus a custom-made slate wall hanging featuring a laser etching of the Hebrew name of God from the Aleppo Codex. Donate $300 and we'll send you The Pre-Trib Trap, the custom-made slate wall hanging, and a framed replica of the Isaiah scroll fragment dated 125 BCE bearing Isaiah 60, verse 1. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Thank you. Your donations ensure that important teachings like the pre-trib trap keep coming from A Rood Awakening International.
Use your cell phone to scan the QR code on your screen to donate now and receive these limited time gifts. Or call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. When Yeshua fed the 5,000 with leavened barley loaves in the Galilee, the Pharisees came down on him because they accused him that he and his disciples did not wash their hands before they ate bread. They did not wash their hands with a negel vesser and say this prayer, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us by your commandments, commanding us concerning the washing of hands. Why didn't Yeshua do that? Why didn't his disciples follow that? Because it is takanot. It is a law which they invented, and Moses said no one is ever allowed to add to or subtract from. But the night of the Last Supper, Yeshua took bread, and he put in place a rehearsal that was really put in place by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek himself brought forth bread and wine to Abraham, and Yeshua interpreted that very thing. This is what Yeshua put in place, that before we eat bread, that we say this prayer, and as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of him, because his broken body was broken for us, and by his stripes we were healed. So as often as we do this, as often we do it in remembrance of him. And Yeshua took the cup, and he said, The creator of the fruit of the vine, Yehovah, created the fruit of the vine, he said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do this, remember me, and remember, I will be drinking this with you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Shabbat Shalom. Last week was a very eventful episode. We talked about Jericho, we talked about Bethlehem, but Keith took us to one side of the fence at Bethlehem or the wall, and we never got to see what was on the other side. So we brought him back. Keith, what is on the other side on that wall? <laughs> Thank you for wall. bringing me back. Actually, just so you know what it, 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 it and I, I apologize, time is, it's difficult, right? We did everything <laughs> we could. I got, I got so much uh, that I want to talk about, and just filled up with excitement to be here. But uh, I was actually crossed in. So the part that you saw with the, with the, all of that graffiti is, is if you go on the other side of that wall, you you see no graffiti. That's the mm. Israel side. Oh, interesting. So I'm on the other side in the Palestinian Authority side, where there's all of, all of this graffiti, and you know there's more that we can show. Uh, where you can see, you know, paintings that they do, and famous paintings that they do, and you know, if you look at the tower where the the, the Israel uh, military is, it's all burned up. I mean, there's a, a lot of stuff that goes on inside of Beit Lechem or Bethlehem. But I want to read a verse, uh, if I can, um, and it and it basically is uh, Joel chapter three, verse two. It says this: 
I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, or Yehovah's judge is what that is. Mm. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered Mm. among the nations, and they have divided up my land. Hmm. The whole thing we talked about in 1993, 1995, the Oslo Accords, that was them sitting down. It's not unlike what happened with, uh, with, with, with Britain. You know, they sat down with, with France uh, and, and said, look, here's how we're going to divide up this land. He's saying here, look here, you've scattered my people and you've divided my land. I mean, if there's any question on whether he sees it as his land or not, Joel chapter 3, verse 2 is pretty darn clear. He gathers, he scatters, but guess what people do? People also try to do that. And he's saying, look, I'm going to have to judge the mm-hmm. fact that you divided up my land. Now, what I didn't get a chance to talk about with that was um, what actually happens in uh, the other side of the wall. And there's a place that was in 2002 that was a, a life changer for me and my family. Uh, in 2002, when I was visiting, Michael <laughs> Michael said to me, he said, listen, Keith, you know, it's second intifada. Go wherever you want. Just don't go to the West Bank. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I needed to go to the West Bank because the person that was helping me to get my Torah scroll insisted to take me there. So I went with this Arab Christian to the West Bank town of Bethlehem. It was a ghost town. And while I was there, I talk about it a lot. There's a church. It's the oldest church in Christendom. It's the church in the nativity. And there's a little door where you have to kneel down to get into the door and take people in there to the door. And you look out and you see all of this ornate stuff that's in the actual church. Well, our... uh, Production people, a lot of people, they don't like to go into churches, and I get that. I understand that. But in terms of history, language, history, and context, man, if you don't get a chance to see, like, this is really a big deal. This is one of those places where Helena come along and said, listen, I heard that this is the place where, you know, baby Jesus was born. And so she put her stake down and said, that is it. Jerome himself says, when he was there studying in the basement of that place, he says, listen, we know that this place was actually an ancient pagan temple. Oh, He himself says that. He says, but that was Satan's attempt to try to stop us from the truth of what really happened here. You know, everyone's got all sorts of gymnastics that they do. But what happens in that place is people wait in line and they go down to the very basement and they see a star and person after person after person kisses the star. I remember when I went there in 2002 and realized, wait a minute, this was a pagan temple? And from there, I'm out on the street by myself, never forget it in Bethlehem by myself, and I asked the Father one thing. What am I gonna do about Christmas? What am I gonna do when I get home and tell my family, ain't no more Santa Claus in Bethlehem? What am I gonna do when I go and say, you know what, I can't do this thing that's opposite of, I mean, this is a big deal. And my wife, I don't, she, if my wife is listening, I don't know if she's going to watch this or not. She was considered the Christmas queen. Hmm. My wife was a Christmas, I mean, she knew exactly how it all was supposed to work. But I came home in 2002 after being in Bethlehem uh, and told them, my family, I said, you all, I, I have fell under great conviction uh, to be able to do this thing that is so opposite of not only history, but it's opposite of what he teaches it's opposite of the tradition. There's so much about the whole Christmas celebration situation that is opposite of the word of God. I know that's controversial for some. When I said that, my wife 
looked at me and she said, okay. And there has been a lot of shifts and changes that we had to go through, but she took her things and put them in the box and put them down to be selected, picked up by the garbage. And since that time, we have tried to find out about God's time, God's Torah, God's tetragram time. That's why we're doing for the love gift, talking about getting right on time. If we're right on time, we are in time with him. We are in biblical time. So for me, Bethlehem was a big deal. Um, and I needed, to, I needed to be able to say that because it was a, a shift for me. Thank you again to my friend, Michael, who said, yeah, he didn't even know who I was. Yeah, you can come stay with me. And he, he literally set up an opportunity for me to change my life. So can we move on to the last two controversial places that we go beyond the borders. One is a place called Shiloh. Now, if you could do me a favor and go to Joshua chapter 18, I'm gonna read 1 Samuel chapter 3, 21. You're gonna read Joshua 18, 1, and I will read 1 Samuel 3, 21. Okay, just the first verse? Yes. The whole community of the Israelites assembled at Shiloh, and the tent of meeting was set up there. The whole country was now subdued and at their disposal. Amen. So in other words, once Joshua did what he did at Mount Eval, he does what he does at Shechem, Shechem, he gets to Shiloh, and what did they do? They set up the tent of meeting. This is the place that uh, there's gonna be the presence of God. This is gonna be the place where he calls them and, and separates the lots and, and gives them what they need for their land. 1 Samuel 3, 21. And Yehovah appeared again at Shiloh because Yehovah revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh, Shiloh by the word of Yehovah. So in other words, Shiloh became a place, a spiritual connection. It was a place of, uh, of the tent of meeting from the thing that when they were out in, out in the desert. Psalm 78, 60. So that he abandoned the dwelling place at Shiloh, the tent which he had pitched amongst men. Now you got to shift. 369 years, Scott. Shiloh is the place where people are coming for the feast. Shiloh is the place where you've got the, 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 the priests. Shiloh is the place where they're gathering. It's, it's, it's like Jerusalem. It's their center spot where they're going to be, 369 years. But something happened. They decided to take it on themselves, to do it their way. So what did the landlord do? It gets ugly. Jeremiah 7, 12. But go now to my place which was in Shiloh where I made my name dwell at the first and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. Jeremiah 7, 14. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name in which you trust and to the place which I gave you and your fathers as I did to Shiloh. Now, the amazing thing about Shiloh is this. It's one of those places where the Bible GPS is perfecto. Can we go to video number eight? I wanna show you something. Video number eight at Shiloh. When we decided to do the Bible Beyond Borders tour, we put up together an entire itinerary. And I'm telling you, we've got places in there that are really, really significant, really amazing. We cross borders, we go into the West Bank, we go into Judea and Samaria, depending on which term you wanna use. We go to places like Tel Dan and places like Bethel. But this is a place that no matter when I come to Israel, I always wanna come to Shiloh or Shiloh if I'm reading in the Hebrew Bible. And one of the reasons is a verse that I wanna read right now. It says this, so they said, but behold, there is a feast of the Lord from year to year in Shiloh, which is on the north side of Bethel or Bethel 
on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, or Shechem in English, and on the south side of Lebanon. <laughs> Folks, this is so amazing. There's an Arab village with the name Lebanon. We've got the highway, that's the modern highway, which is based on the ancient highway. We just came from Bethel. It's, it's, it's exactly as if, forget the itinerary. We can go right to the Bible and it tells us exactly where we're at. So here we are in ancient Shiloh. Our folks are down there at the place where the Mishkan was for 369 years. This place is absolutely Positively, as my friend Aaron says, if there's only one place that we went to that was absolutely Bible beyond borders, that we know that this is the spot, ancient Shiloh. That's great. I mean, that's an example. Like you're, you know, we're not, it's not a question. Like you just open the book and the map takes you right. Like this is the map. <laughs> it yeah. takes you right to the spot. And then you look up and you see the settlement, right? Where you've got a whole community of people who believe that this is the land that was promised, that live in that place. And you can go up there, and these are people who live day in and day out in area, the area B, I guess you would say, um, where the Palestinians have authority, but not military authority. Israel has a military authority. And again, Scott, there's place after place after place after place where it's hard when you're in Israel uh, to not get caught up um, in the, the biblical aspect of this being God's land mm. and the biblical aspect of him gathering and the biblical aspect of him scattering. That in Shiloh, uh, you had the story where you know you had Eli and his sons that did opposite of what God had said, the sons that did opposite of what God said, the Philistines actually came, took the ark of God. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wish I could do this at some point. Maybe we could do this here. I did a whole series, never produced it, where I actually went to every place that the ark went. Oh, And it is me. really, really amazing. I mean, I don't mean I did a series that was produced, but I took my little camera. I have this one man, one camera thing. I love doing it. <laughs> but I actually decided when I was there at a, um, an ulpan learning Hebrew, I, I came, I finished the Ulpan and I saw this group of people that were there and I looked up at the moon and I thought to myself, you know, I wonder where the ark was. And I had heard that that was one of the places where I was studying that the ark was. And actually, Nehemiah actually helped me. He actually went with me to the five cities of the Philistines, to Ekron and to Gaza. We didn't go inside of Gaza, but we went. Yeah. You know, and we went to those places. He helped me do that. We were out in the fields where they had the rockets that were flying. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But these are places where God's name, via the ark that was called by his name, went. So I went and did all of those places. I don't know, maybe I could give it to you guys and you could figure out how to show it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds it, like a great concept. Oh, it was Love great. It. it was amazing. But the point is, is I've, I've really always loved the idea of being in the land, with um, the tensions that are, exist, I understand those tensions, but, but there's a peace uh, that falls, for, at least for me, that when I land in Israel, it's as literally as if it's just, it's just God's peace that falls upon me. And I mean, I want people um, to experience that. I want people to, to go beyond the borders to experience the Bible in a way that would be uh, significant for them. Here is the map. Let's go to the border. Show the map right now on the screen. That's Shiloh right there. And then from there you go down, and you can see all the Jericho and Bethel, Hebron. We've gone to all of these places, eight of them, 
uh, in this series. But the one that's probably the most uh, controversial is, well, it definitely is the most controversial, is, is Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. And we're going to try to do something, if we can, to uh, unpack that. So I'm going to need you to get your Bible ready. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Take your son, God said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him as a burnt offering on a mountain I will point out to you. So if all we had was that verse, we'd say, well, which mountain? To the land of Moriah. Where did he do it? I'm going to show you. Where would we know where that is? What's amazing about this is we have language history context uh, that lets us know exactly not only the mountain, but the spot where Abraham did this. Hmm. So 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 16. I'm going to read this, if it's okay. Please do. When, now, this is the situation. Now we've got David, who's there. He's moved from Hebron. He's now in Jerusalem, where he's, he's ruling as king. Um, and he uh, is going to, well, let me just read it. 2416, when the angel stretched out his hand towards Jerusalem to destroy it, hmm. Yehovah relented from the calamity and said to the angel who destroyed the people, there's a, there's a really amazing story that's going on. There's, there was, a, there was um, Yehovah was coming to judge and there were people that were dying. It says, it is enough. Exclamation mark. Now relax your hand, Yehovah tells the angel. And the angel of Yehovah was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. That's a crazy. Hmm. Aruna, the Jebusite. Now we got a second part. Now I want you to read 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 18. Gad went down to went to David that day and said, Go up and erect an altar to Yehovah on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Okay, now I'm gonna go to 2 Samuel 24, 21 to 24. Then Aruna said, why has my Lord the king come to his servant? David said to buy, say buy. Buy. The threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to Yehovah, that the plague may be held back from the people. Aruna said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. Everything, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna uh, said to the king, may Yehovah your God accept you. However, the king said to Aruna, and David must have been looking to the future. He says this, no, I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer burnt offerings to Yehovah my God, which cost me nothing. Here comes the key verse. So David bought the fresh threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver, the Bible says. He purchased the spot where this threshing floor was. That's 24, 21 to 24. Now read 2 Cram, let me read it. 2 Chronicles chapter 3, <laughs> verse 1, and you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. Verse 40, I'm going to read, and I'm sorry for going so fast, but this is the fifth episode. I got to get to the, I mean, this is big, okay? Okay. Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1, you're going to read Second Chronicles 640. Here's what it says. Then Solomon began to build the house of Yehovah in Jerusalem, where? On Mount Moriah, come back to Genesis, mm -hmm. where he had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, or Aruna, 
the Jebusite. Read 2 Chronicles 6, verse 40. Now, oh my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. And 2 Chronicles 7.15 says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayer offered in this place. I got to say to you, uh, Scott, we're going to do something in the second half that I'm very excited about. I, I, I might get a little teary-eyed just because it's, a, it's just such a blessing that, that uh, this happened. But what happens in Jerusalem is there are people from around the world who come to what's called the Western Wall. It's really the retaining wall of Herod's temple, the second temple, uh, which is there. And so above that wall is there's a platform and a platform is the temple mount. But this place is holy to people. But people, this is as close as they can get. So you got people who are praying and davening. You have a men's side and a women's side. There's a section next to the wall where you go under and you see people reading their Bibles and praying. And they just believe, and they're as close as they think they can get to God's presence. And that is called the Western Wall. That is just not quite good enough for the Bible Beyond Borders. So we're going to do something in the second half where we bring people above. And we have a very special person who's going to guide us to do that. Oh, wow. Okay, can't wait for that. So come back in the second half, the last episode, last half of the last episode with Keith Johnson. And we're going to take you... Beyond Borders with the Bible, the Bible Beyond Borders, and we'll be right back with that. Uh, Thank you for your donations that make it possible. We'll be right back. Thank you for making this episode happen. So before the break, we told you we were going to go to the most hotly contested piece of real estate in the entire world and do something kind of (laughs) dicey. So... Actually, Scott, let me just tell you this. I'm, I'm, I've, I have been in a long-term journey with Yehuda. We consider each other friends. We've been in different parts of the world together. In fact, I brought him here, and we did a series together ah, called Our Yehuda Father's Glick. Heart. Yep. Amazing. But uh, I called him up. I said, listen, I've got this radical group. He usually only goes with groups that are uh, Jewish groups, so that he's got security and it goes whatever. And I said, listen, our group's not afraid. We're willing to go. He said, if you guys are willing to go, I will lead you. So we got about an eight-minute piece we want to show people uh, where he takes the Bible Beyond Borders group beyond the borders. East Jerusalem, they would say, but really it's a place that the Jordanian Waqf has religious authority, but there's still military authority of Israel. It is a united Jerusalem, and he goes there as often as he can, and it was amazing that he's willing to take us. So let's take a look at uh, Yehuda taking us to the Temple Mount. We are right now. Okay, we are right now over here. We're gonna be climbing up the uh, bridge, and then we're going into the Temple Mount. This over here is the gigantic Western Wall Plaza. 25 times the size of it is the Temple Mount. Okay, we're going to be walking along the, the southern part of the, of, the, of the Temple Mount, the eastern, the northern, the western, and we're coming out. As you can see over here, there is a dome with a, with a golden dome, which stands on the location of where the temple stood. In front of it, there's a black small dome. Right near there is the location of the Ark. We're going to be walking around here. We're going to be concentrating on our, all of our prayers will be towards the location of the Holy of Holies. The Dome of the Rock stands on the rock, the foundation stone of the temple. The, 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 the temple you see right over here is a, is a replica of the temple by Herod. It is standing the opposite way. As you see, the main entrance, we are on the west. The entrance of the temple was on the east. So we're going to be going around toward the entrance of the east. We'll be facing at the entrance of the temple, and we will be 
praying. That's what we'll be doing. Unfortunately, the police now is going to tell you you're not allowed to demonstrate prayer. You're not allowed to do a whole bunch of other things. But that's his job to tell you that. And our job is to pray. Okay. okay, guys. Can, 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 can. go ahead. Guys, please, I tell you about the rules, okay? This is Muataz. He's the, yes. the officer of the Temple Mount. Okay, so uh, inside the Temple Mount, you know, we go the policeman with Yuda. Okay, all the time with the policeman. I give you one policeman. You stay with this uh, group to the end, okay? It's not allowed to make any praying that if him out, not like this. I don't say something about praying, okay? Please don't touch anything from all the area. No stone, no tree. If you have something religious, this is the time right now. Just put it outside. We talk about uh, talit, filin, sidur, crosses, candles, oil. You don't have, yes? Yes. Right. Okay, all the group together yes. with you, with the policeman. Yes. Come with me. Give a hand to the police. Okay, uh, as we climb up the mountain, the, the bridge, we of course ca can recite prayer. Not only can we recite prayer, we can... This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that Hashem has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in it. This is the day that Hashem has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that Hashem has made. Ah, Baruch Hashem, we are climbing up to Zion. As, uh, as Isaiah told us, we're a little bit late by the way. We're like 2,000 years off time. <laughs> off schedule, and uh, Isaiah told us you would be coming. He specifically told us that you're coming. He said all the nations, including uh, this group from the United States, we knew you were coming. Shalom! Shalom Shaked Natali. Shalom! Shalom! Shalom lekol achevre po. Main yanim. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom Michel veol. Shalom. Shalom le Simon. Okay. As I told you, we've just entered on the uh, southwestern corner. We saw to our. We saw here the western core, the western wall, and. Uh, and over here is the northern wall. Okay, we're gonna come over here. I just wanna show you one small remnant from the temple time. You climb over here. If you look over here, Herod widened the temple plaza, the temple mount plaza. And he added many, many on all the different sides except for on the eastern side. On the eastern side, he couldn't move the original wall because there's a Kidron Valley. But he, he widened the Temple Mount on all the other sides, on the southern side, on the, on the eastern side, on the western side, and on the northern side. Over here, he had a lobby where he would host all of his guests, kings that would come. The pillars you see here, many of them are from that date. If you take a look at this pillar, for instance, you see it's, it has a painting, a pink colored on it. Do you see the pink colored? What is that pink? That pink is glue that held gold on it. How do I know? Because if you come to me, 
Over here, you can still see some of the gold here. Take a look over here. You can still see, look over here carefully. You can see some of the gold here. Here, look over here, right over there. You see gold? Do we see gold? Mm -hmm. This is gold which is 2,000 years old. The, all, of the, all the pillars that are this shape pillars are Herodian pillars and they were coated with gold, gold leaves. So but right now, as I said, we are not on the original place of the temple. We are on the widening part of Herod. We can open the Bible and I want to honor my testimony today is actually the testimony of the Psalm they would read every week on Monday in the temple. We're going to be reciting it, but first we'll just go over it, understand it, try to get what, what, the, what, the, what the psalmist is trying to teach us. But as we are walking over here, you can pay attention to your right is the mosque, and to your right over here where these women are standing, there are stairs that lead out to the original gate to where you come into the Temple Mount from the city of David. But we're going to stand over here at the, at the steps face, facing the Temple, and we will recite it. If you Welcome to join us. They asked us not to climb up the stairs, but right over here, facing these, these, these gates are exactly on the location where the eastern gate of the temple was. This over here. Here we are, the eastern gate. And as a matter of fact, straight ahead on the Mount of Olives, the, uh, the uh, high priest would stand and prepare the red heifer. And actually, he would see through all the way to the Holy of Holies. And if we're standing over here, we can face there, and I will begin. You ready to recite it? I will begin. Here we have Psalm 48, Mount Zion, the palace of the great king, the Monday Levitical song in the holy temple of Hashem, a song of psalm of the sons of Korah. Hashem is great, and so very much praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his sanctuary. The beauty of prospect, the joy of the entire earth, Mount Zion, the north side of the city of great king, God in her palaces, was known as exalted. For behold, the kings assembled, together they passed. They saw, yeah, they wondered, they panicked, they hastened. Trembling seized them there, anxiety like a woman in labor. With an eastern wind, you will break the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so have we seen. In the city of Hashem, Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God shall establish it forever and ever, Selah. So that's it. I mean, eight minutes. Uh, we did a whole lot more. What we're going to do is give the extra footage, put it on the app so that people can see oh, wow. the whole thing. But uh, it was an opportunity to have people who've always wanted to do that, but not only to, to, to go there, but to be led by a person who literally put his life on the line. Well, it was, you know, as you're watching the video, if you look at in the background, first of all, at one point, I saw seven police officers. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're yeah. really watching and walking along with you guys. Yeah. And secondly, anybody that you could recognize as, you know, of the Muslim faith mm -hmm. in the background, mm -hmm. they're looking and looking and they, mm -hmm. you know what they're thinking. Well, Is that Yehuda Glick? Yeah, here's what right? happened. See, in the past, when I, when I first met Yehuda, um, we'd go up to the Temple Mount, it was, it was radical. I mean, shoes thrown, spit. I mean, it was really, really bad. I mean, it was, we'd go up there and I mean, people would be yelling and screaming and there were people who were actually paid to go up there and to cause hassles and problems. And he, you know, he was in at one point, I think they said the Israeli military, Israeli police said he's the dangerous man in the Middle East just because the Temple Mount is the center 
of conflict that takes place between, um, you know, many, many different, different groups. Um, so there are some terrorist groups. There's one terrorist group called Al-Aqsa Brigade. So ba basically their whole point is that it's the Al-Aqsa. In fact, when the person who tried to assassinate him uh, came up to him and said these words, he says, you are an enemy of Al-Aqsa. That's the temple, Al-Aqsa. And then he put four bullets in, uh, in Yehuda. And by God's grace, a lot of prayers of Jew and Gentile, uh, he was, he was, miraculously, literally saved. And so since that time, he has been amazing, just leading people, going there and, and doing that sort of thing. But the fact that he would take our group up there was something, and it was really interesting. Usually he has to go to the far outside of the Temple Mount. He asked the police at one point, if because of our group, could he, could he go closer? And he said to me, Keith, this never happens uh, that they allowed us to go, for him to go closer, because as a Jewish person to the temple, they have a very specific route they have to take. Mm. But as we were there, um, him as our leader, they allowed him to do something, like he said, for years he hasn't been able to do. And that, is that where he was close to the stairway exactly, there? And exactly. And you could see the mosque in Exactly. There. And that is where we spent time, I got a chance to read, uh, where Solomon says that the foreigner will come. Mm. Yehovah, may you hear the prayer. And then we prayed mm. as a group. Now I'm telling you, now if I'd have said this four or five years ago, you're like, oh, that's, no way, you can't read scripture and pray. But yeah, guess what? We can, and we did. And uh, it was amazing to be able to do that. In fact, after that, after we did the whole tour, he invited us along with other group of Jewish people um, to come out and we danced and celebrated and just had a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. So for me, that, that was the highlight of our Bible Beyond Borders tour. I, I don't mind saying I'm unashamed about this, Scott. I'm hoping that people... We'll, you know, we're gonna to try to make more of the content available other places, uh, as, as many as we can. Of course, the Root Awakening, the YouTube channel, BFA International, but I wanna be really, really clear. I'm hoping for people who cannot physically, financially, family, or even fear to go there where they could feel like this was a chance for them to little, little, little taste, little touch, a little bit of, of scene. But I'm also inviting people that are interested to be able to go with us. And I, I'm, I'm gonna to continue to try to do that as he opens the door to be able to bring people on the Bible Beyond Borders tour. I'm putting a stake down, thanks to my friend Michael. I'm putting a stake down that says, you know what, every chance that we get to do that, we're gonna do that. And there's a ministry shift for me that I really wanna bring people to have an encounter with the Father. In Saudi Arabia, there's no question we encountered him. In Israel, I encountered him again, and now this whole group did. So I want people to encounter him, and if they can, I would love them to do that. Can I read two verses? Um, because I don't wanna... I don't want to, you know, <laughs> go past our time. Oh, no, of course. <laughs> Nehemiah 1.9, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered <laughs> were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Where is that place? Right there. Abraham brings Isaac. David buys it from Aruna. Solomon builds the temple. The second temple, I mean, that is the spot. And he says, my eyes and my ears are there perpetually. Mm. My name dwells there, Amos 9, 13. Also, I will restore the captivity of my people, Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land and they will not again be rooted out from their land, which I have given them, says Yehovah our God. There's only one thing, Scott, one, that Yehovah says he will do with all of his heart and his strength. You wanna know what that is? Jeremiah 32, 41. 
I will rejoice over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. Mm. He takes, I mean, how are you going to fight that? There's no solution for that. So I want to do something. I want to give a chance just to share testimony from what happened on that tour. It's about four minutes. Sure. Can we do that real quick? I want to show that. I, Please, I, yeah. Yeah, we have, we have another two, three minutes before we can do that. Yeah, okay, awesome. Well, I, but before, I, before I share this, I, I just want you, if you have questions, comments, concerns, anything from what you saw. I was just going to say, I can't wait for the day, especially what, what we see with the Bible, that one day we, we look at this place again and say, remember when we couldn't go up there? Yes. Remember when yes. we couldn't go up there because there was this 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 building yes. up there that didn't yes. belong. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And they prevented us from going yeah. up there. Remember how ridiculous that was? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that, amazing. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a place of prayer for all nations. I know that's a tough one, pill for people to swallow, but guess what? The Father's going to do it. He does it. So I want to share these testimonies. This is a clear invitation to folks. Um, I really, I really want to invite people uh, to experience this, okay? first time I ever came to Israel was in 1988. I came on a Christian tour with my church, and we were on a bus, and we went from church to church, and the tour guide kept saying, this is the rock, and he would say, this is the tradition, and I just looked, you know, like, whatever he said, I just took it as truth. Uh, by 2002, when I came back to Israel, I started to meet different people that actually have their hands and what I call their, their boots on the ground in Israel, and I started finding out that there are places in Israel where it's not a matter of tradition, it's actually a matter of truth through archeology, span through language, through history, through context. And I thought, wait, wait a minute, so where are these places? Well, some of those places are like where I'm sitting right now. They're beyond the borders, yet they're so significant. When you come to Israel and you visit these sites and, and, and you get to touch them and to see them, you're learning about the archeology span of finding them not only are you strengthening your, your belief, you're also getting a better understanding of the scriptures, uh, things that you pictured in America or in France as happening in a certain way, suddenly change because of the reality on the ground. But the one thing with the Bible Beyond Borders or the BFA tours is that we truly take a biblical approach. So if you really want to understand the Bible, and I think that's where Keith and the BFA come into play because we literally open the Bible to exactly what it says so you have a real understanding of this place and you understand the importance. You get to be a part of history almost. So you get a real relational between what God said in His Word and what He tells us because you're right there at that actual spot that it actually happened. Where we were is a place that proves what Yeshua was standing for was real and true. He was upholding the Book of Origin, the Torah. This really puts the story into context because it, it's, it's where it happened. It's not just a story, it's you're seeing. It was personal, it was a spiritual awakening as a marriage. Uh, it was just a togetherness, it was just a feeling. It was just the fact that we had read so often and heard so many sermons and have studied myself personally. We were looking out like I could just imagine, like, was he there? Was he here? He was everywhere right here. It was unimaginable. It's, it was the best ever. So Keith, for me, is someone who loves truth. And he wants people to understand it in its context. And if we don't have context, we don't have the story. 
And what Keith does an amazing job of is giving the context and then giving the story. And that's what's special about being here is because it brings more context. I would encourage anyone that's watching this to start saving money outside of your direct needs. If that's your bills, your lights, start saving money to get to Israel, to experience it. Because once you experience, it changes your life on how you're gonna change generations when you go back home. I think for me, it's way beyond what we expected. As a first time tour, I already know a little bit of how the second one's gonna happen. Oh look, on the third one. And we are, we are getting along through the tour itself because as I said, there are no borders. And we are making new decisions and, and changes, but we, we just can feel whatever the energy that is coming with the people from us, this is just what we were hoping for. Love that. Wonderful. I love, it. I love it. I love it. I love just having a chance to share with people. Um, we're, we're planning for 2024, but if God says the same, and uh, I'm hoping to be able to, to reach out to as many people as I can uh, to come. It'll be limited in terms of how many people. We might now, right now, you can go to BFA front page, tours, see if there's space. We sold out for the fall tour, which is awesome. Uh, but this is a completely different thing. It's not about numbers. It's about quality. And, uh, you know, the kinds of people that need to come on something like this, they have to be kind of special. Um, you know, Scott, you're, you, you have, I've, I've been watching you do this. And, you know, you make it so easy <laughs> to talk about this. I really, 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 really appreciate it. This was one of these situations was a little different than anything we've done before. It's taken a lot of technical help. You guys here are amazing. Uh, hopefully um, it communicates what we want to communicate. But there's a verse that I want to read if it's okay, um, and it's Zechariah chapter 10, verse eight. It says this, I will whistle for them to gather them together, for I have redeemed them, and they will be as numerous as they were before. Mm. <laughs> Wait a minute. So <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna deal with this sound-wise. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's, gonna like, he's gonna like whistle. I don't know how the audio king is gonna fix that, but like, He's gonna whistle and people's ears are gonna perk up. Somebody's ear is gonna perk up. Mm. You know what I mean? Somebody's heart is gonna get moved and they're gonna be willing to, um, to do whatever they can to, to respond to that call. And he's the one that's gonna do it. And so right now I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm excited that we could share this with people. I'm excited about the ministry of Root Awakening. You know, Passover was something that was absolutely unprecedented for me. Because at Passover, I saw this ministry do something which most ministries could not do, to bring diversity of people. Nehemiah, Tim Mahoney, Miles Jones, myself. I mean, it was, it was just like, you, like, you're there teaching about hell. I mean, there was so much that was happening there. And that's at that place, at that spot, is where I was inspired to like, you know, let's go beyond just Mount Ebal and let's go and get a bunch of good content and bring it here, bring it to BFA, bring it everywhere we can, that people can have an encounter with him. Um, and like I said, for those who can't go, it would be a blessing to them. So I'm hoping that that's what happened. This is the place that I have been waiting for our entire time of investigation. We are in the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. We've got a great guide. We've been going to all the places biblically, but this is kind of like the highlight for me. I wanna read from Deuteronomy chapter 34. 
Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And Yehovah showed him all the land Gilead as far as Dan, and all Naphtali in the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, and the Negev in the plain in the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. And it goes on to say that Yehovah told Moses, he said, now listen, this is what I told you was going to happen. You climb up to the mountain, I'm going to show you all of the land, and after that, the deal is done. That is exactly what happened. Moses came up here, and after that, he died. He was buried somewhere. So for me, this is kind of like a symbolic place, because since 2020, I got invited by Michael to come and to help him at Shavuot, and then he had a terrible thing happen, which was his stroke. And for three years, I said, until he gets back in the studio, I'm going to do everything I can to help him. He did that, created great videos. The Passover comes. He's back. I'm feeling great. Then the father asked us to do one more thing, which is the Bible Beyond Borders series. The production group at A Root Awakening has done a phenomenal job. We're at the end of six episodes. But for me, it's kind of like feeling like what happened with Moses. That's now done. Now we're going to lead people into the promised land through the Bible Beyond Borders tour. You should consider it. We're going to include the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. We'll be at this very spot. And as a sign, I want to do one little thing. Can you hand me this? One little thing I want to do, I want to blow the shofar at the top of Mount Pisgah, Mount Nebo. <laughs> what an amazing thing. Well, I appreciate you bringing all that. Thank you. You went to great lengths and great <laughs> efforts to get all that. I don't even want to talk to you about it. <laughs> no, I won't even go there, but... That takes more than no, what it appears. I, well, oh boy, it, oh boy. You can sit back and watch it and it looks easy, but yeah, it was, yeah. um, it was, it was not amazing. easy. Yeah. Uh, Vision and provision, safest place to be is God's will. I think that was his will. All right. Well, thank you, Keith. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for bringing that. And uh, thank you for joining us for this special series. I pass it around to others. Go to Keith's website if you want to see that tour. I don't know why you wouldn't want to see that tour. That's an amazing place to be with uh, just a, uh, it, it's, you know, it's done in the spirit of Michael Rood. Go to the places yes. that no one else is going to. Uh, so that is the place to do it. So again, thank you for watching, and we will see you next week on Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom.